This is the Influence Leadership Podcast, Episode 8. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Influence Leadership Podcast with Chris Fuller, where our heart is to develop leaders like you and help you increase your individual influence and your leadership skill set. I'm Brett Duncan. I am your host. Most importantly, I'm joined today by the one and only Chris Fuller. <laughs> There's probably a good thing that there's one and only. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's funny. We say one and only a lot, but is that really a good thing? It's like, are, when people say that, are they thankful that this is the one and only? There's only a certain unique amount. I'm better in small doses. So uh, the 20 to 30 minutes of this podcast is probably a great dose. Excellent. So see, that's our, our listener already. You're getting the optimal dose of Chris Fuller today. And I can tell you my dosage is much less, so I will, uh, I, will, I will make sure I'm quiet most of the time, too. But it is, you know, as we're recording this, most people will listen to this probably about a, a month into the new year. But as we're sitting here recording, we're at your office. It is yeah. lively. Uh, it is the first week of 2016. So, I mean, uh, it is, uh, I, I don't know about you, but, you know, there's obviously there's resolutions, there's goals, there's thinking about resetting. That's where we're at right now. Absolutely. And, you know, the offices over the holidays are quiet. And then everybody, it's kind of like the first week of January at the gym. Yeah. Um, it's, it can be raucous and everybody's <laughs> got the plans and they're going and buzzing. And so it's, a, it's kind of an interesting change coming back from the holidays and, and getting into the, uh, the, the flow and the rhythm and chasing those hopes and dreams. Yeah. Well, I'm already going to go off script, Chris. But, you know, on that note, um, what's your thoughts on resolutions? You a big resolution guy? Or are you like, uh, you know, I've heard I've heard almost there's an anti-resolution kind of trend out there, too. So, I mean, there really is. in that? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I really look for, uh, for years, we've taught SMART goals, right? Specific, measurable, action-oriented, realistic, and time-bound. So, you know, I, I, I love chasing dreams, right? Mm -hmm. that, that particular piece is huge for me. But to, to, to have a resolution, there's a piece where you're chasing something. You know, I've talked before about you're either running from something or to something. Right. So as we look to that new year, maybe now, you know, you're in February, so you're six weeks into your new year or something like that to that effect. Yeah. You know, still having the hopes and the dreams, still st staying resilient to what you want from life. But... If you make a goal without a high level of action-oriented, time-bound specificity, mm -hmm. you're going to fail. Yeah. And then the feelings of failure can wrap around you, oh. and it just starts to pull you down. So when you make resolutions, the, the great news is you're setting a goal. You're reaching out there. The bad news is if we don't do something very strategic and specific to get there, the struggle can be that the emotions of the failure you forget the lessons learned of specificity, action-oriented, time-bound, getting an accountability partner, all of those things, and you remember the emotions of, I tried and failed, I wanted and lacked. Yeah. And so, you know, my encouragement is, whatever you're chasing, let's make it specific, let's make it, you know, like we'll talk about at some point over the next couple of lessons, race, ready, yeah. action, checkpoint, evolution. Yeah. What are your checkpoints? Before you start, you need to know where you're running, where you're running to. And internally, you've also got to kind of look and really, uh, this isn't a psychiatric 
podcast, the psychological podcast. But sometimes in life, you got to know what you're running from mm-hmm. as much as what you're running to. Yeah. And so just, just a note of encouragement, whatever you're chasing, chase it with all your heart. Mm. Uh, run hard, but let's get very strategic about that. Uh, the, you can be resolute, but as right. much as the resolute, I will never, I will always, how mm-hmm. do we get it back to more of a point of within the next three weeks, I will, right. very specific, measurable outcome with time bound, and, and again, all of that, and, and as much as you make your uh, desires known, and you have somebody willing to hold you accountable to that, mm-hmm. revisit those particular pieces you know, I think that that uh, that resolutions or, or goals um, are you know are, are great. The question yeah. is just um, my concern is, hey, before we get wrapped around the axle in the disappointment of not achieving, how do we make it very strategic so that it is a a, a vision, mission, goal with a dream, a deadline, and yeah. actionable checkpoints that we can we can work through. Yeah. Well, and it's, I mean, goals aren't just a January thing, right? Right. <laughs> if they are, then that's why we have the same goals every year and the same resolutions, which again, that's, uh, and that's not what this episode's about, but are resolutions and goals the same thing? You know, it, you, you can certainly differentiate them, yeah. right? Sure. So, um, awesome. Well, let's talk about what we were actually planning on talking about. How's <laughs> yeah. that sound? Um, you know, we are continuing to work through your awesome, short, but ex- I mean, very powerful. I was reading through it again last night preparing for episodes. Your book, I Did Rod Leadership, um, it talks about really unleashing the power of the team. Yeah. And today we're going to specifically talk about one of the chapters that I think captures uh, a lot of just what that subhead is about capturing or unleashing the power of the team. And that is, it's chapter five in the book. It's called Building and Running the Team. And so I went into this as I was reading it thinking, okay, we're going to talk about team building. And we do talk, you do talk about team building. But in my mind, I realized very quickly, my thought of team building did not start anywhere near where you describe it starting in the book. And I think the idea of putting together the team of dogs for a certain journey really brings that to life. Right. And what I'm saying, I want you to take the ball here and run with it is, you have a line in there that says, you define the roles of the team. We talked about the roles of the team in our last episode. Sure. Those roles have been defined in the perfect world before you actually have built the team because what are you building if you don't know what the roles are that you need, right? Yeah, so I mean the 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 two different parts are there are roles that everybody needs to play within the team, but who sits in that seat mm-hmm. is completely different. Yeah. And the skill set of the individual in the seat, the dog in the run, the dog on the team, completely different than the needs of the roles within the the team itself. Roles are standard, roles, responsibilities, those are standard aspects that we can look at for any, any aspect of business. Yeah. Um, but the person in that particular um, seat and their strengths and weaknesses, their, uh, their struggles and or their brilliance, how do we make sure that the right person with the right brilliance is in that particular seat at this time for either the corrective actions we're trying to make in the business or talking about resolutions and goals, yeah. the desired future. Right. So in the book, I talk about, um, I, I put it through this musher named Joe, savvy leader in the past, and, or leader, and, and so um, he's got that, that um, veteran tenure in his nature. And so in the, in the midst of the chapter, I talk about how he, uh, this kind of comes from, from some of the things I consult on, you know, every person on the team 
needs to operate in their strength zone. Mm -hmm. So if you're trying to make new moves in your business, you may need people playing point that have different strengths than your existing team has. Mm -hmm. Now, in the book, I put it into where we're able to kind of trade out some players in the kennel. There's a whole group of dogs in the kennel that we're able to run from, and we're able to kind of pick and choose and create these ad hoc teams mm -hmm. in the midst of this running. The, the true Iditarod race, you can't do that. You mm -hmm. have your kennel of 100 or so, you narrow it to 16, and your 16 is your 16 for the race. For the long haul. For the long yeah. haul, for the yeah. 11. You have to take into account, you know, all the different phases, right? Yeah. 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 So you're never able to add dogs to your team mm -hmm. in the Iditarod, although you're able to drop some dogs if they uh, if they have an issue for yeah. health reasons or they're just not performing to the top Got nature. It. So well, I would assume, though, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but I would assume you choose some of those dogs for specific points in the race. I mean, you're like, they're going to really excel here. They're going to really excel here, and I want them to be there. And Is the conditions true? of the year, right? Yeah, so go. for we were right into, what, an El Nino, El Nino, mm -hmm. whatever the phase is. Mm -hmm. And so when you, when you see what the conditions are on the trail for the next couple of weeks, yeah. so as they're starting to, to now ramp up, so we're in January, race ends the, the, or race begins the last part of February, first week of March. Mm -hmm. So we're right up into chasing this, um, uh, this endeavor. So what you're going to see is they're going to be watching the weather patterns. They're going to be out scoping the trail. And a lot of the strategy mm -hmm. of what they're going to do on their race comes into the conditions of the trail as it exists. Mm -hmm. And so that's such a key piece for us as leaders in building the running the team is do you know the market conditions right now? Do you mm -hmm. know the market conditions of the next run, the next segment, the next checkpoint, so that we can understand and deal with the complexity? Right. It, the, one of the biggest emotional hits I see leaders and people hit uh, have is that they're not ready for the problem when the problem hits. Mm -hmm. And so the emotions of being hit with some of the conditions um, we can derail into that. Now, that's a, a future lesson that we'll talk about mm -hmm. around um, problem solving and your mind and your lens on the trail. But the strategic aspect comes back to this. What's in front of you? What do you want to chase? And what's the needs of your support team so that you can make that run the most efficient, effective possible? Mm -hmm. So if you're starting a brand new office, so I built it in where well, we were uh, fresh snow, and we're going to be breaking some trail. And so um, somebody is going to have to break the trail. And so in one of the businesses that I consulted in, um, we were doing this startup. It was a huge operation. And what I found is it was better to create a startup team from scratch that was what we would essentially call a strike force. Mm -hmm. You get in, you hit it, you hit it hard. And for the first three or four weeks, man, it is go, go, go. Mm -hmm. Then you transition into the standard business phase. And so as we kind of plateaued out, I needed somebody that could kind of do the dailies for about four, six, eight months and, and be able to operate well in the dailies. Mm -hmm. So I needed a ramp up team, hard charging, lead dogs, get it done, 20 hours a day, whatever that was, all in. And then I need kind of the eight to fivers, nine mm -hmm. to sixers, whatever that is for a period of time. And then because this was a 
a, a particular project that we were working on, I needed the ramp down team. Mm -hmm. And so when you consider the next run that you have, what is that? Opening new offices? Are you expanding? Are you retracting? Are you moving from Europe to Asia? Are you, you know, transferring from a North American centric to some, what, what's the run look like? And based on that, what do I need the mindset and the skill set to be within the individual so I can make sure that they get on the team mm -hmm. for that next piece? Yeah. You know, you sitting there talking about having, uh, I've got a, a team for in place for this phase of the project, and they are the startup team. Getting, I mean, it is to the wall, right? It's like, man, yeah. we got to push it out. But then you've got that other phase. It's like, okay, let's maintain it. Well, it, it just crossed my mind. I've been on teams before where you had that hard-charging team, but then that hard-charging team was also asked to be the maintainers and be the, you know, it's like, okay, you did it, now sustain it. And that all sounds great, but the hard-charging team wants to keep hard-charging, right? And they and look gonna, for things. And they're yeah. going to burn out. Right, yeah. So when you're running 20 hours a day or when you're doing a startup on an office, um, you know, you just have to make sure that, that your startup teams or your... Um, trail breakers, if you will, mm -hmm. um, that they have that sustainability piece. But because yeah. they tend to break the trail, right. if you put them in charge of the dailies, they're going to yeah. break something. Well, and, and especially strategy, right? I mean, I mean, once it's in place, those hard chargers, because they need something else to do. They need to break new trails. And you're right. like, but we're on the trail we said we wanted to be on. You yeah, know? are you a pioneer or a settler? And there's right. nothing wrong with being that settler, right. um, but you don't want conquerors becoming settlers yeah and so I'm not saying that your average workaday people are settlers mm -hmm. they're, they're not right but they're the people that can can be completely satisfied in running daily operations and performance improvement of two to ten percent and all of those metric things that that the conquerors are going I don't even care about that yeah I'm wanting to open a new office chart a new territory reach for the sky do all of these things and if right. you put them in the dailies uh, you know, one of the one of the struggles is uh, with historical facts. Uh, when you've looked at history, the conquering kings got into trouble when they had nothing else to conquer. Yeah, and so you just don't want boredom and all that to set in. That's where some other issues can come in. So anyway, yeah. that, that, if that makes sense, that's kind of putting the right team in the right spot for the right run, knowing what you need to um, to do. Yeah. Well, and one of the ways, I mean, again, you, it's considering the run before you build the team, which, again, I think a lot of companies, uh, whether they know they're doing it or not, they have a team and they're like, okay, let's go figure out how to run this team, you know, versus the other way around. Right. So if someone's wanting to practically put this in place, I mean, what's that look like as far as doing this the right way? Preparing, planning, let me figure out what the run is so I can put the team together. So... And again, we'll get into the race strategy, and I think it's the next episode that we'll talk about. But, you know, are you ready? Ready comes into understanding the conditions, understanding all of that. The vast majority of leaders, I would say, though, they already have the team. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to look and say, this is the team I have. This is what I need accomplished. How do I get what's accomplished with the team I have? Mm -hmm. And I'm saying... You know, maybe look at what is needed mm -hmm. and then back up. And there may either be ways that you can develop people on your team for the skill set for what's up in, uh, upcoming, or um, you may need to add a different player or trade a player out. Now, I'm not mm -hmm. saying fire people that aren't ready for that, but right. maybe somehow 
you can pull somebody in for a period of time in this particular project, mm-hmm. and then maybe they exit back out. And so if there's if there's your your ability to sort of borrow from other departments, mm-hmm. or you're able to uh, to add some some uh, consultants or some external help for this particular piece, the the what you don't want to do is try to get here mm-hmm. with people that can't get you there. Right. And so when we really look at this and we go, and I've at times even put it in front of the team and said, here's where we're going. In order to do that, how does that play within our skill set or do you think we need to add skill set to the team? Mm -hmm. So I'm even getting the buy-in of the members on the team that we need to add different skill sets Mm -hmm. before I ever go to them and go, you guys aren't going to line up with what I need, so I'm going to have to trade you out. Imagine the emotional consequences right. of that, right? Yeah. Nobody wants to be told the team doesn't measure up. Mm-hmm. So if I put it in front of the team and put that dream and say, here's where we're headed, here's what I think that we're going to need, do we have the skill set or are we going to need to add to the team mm-hmm. um, you know, for a period of time for the sake of the run? I think that that interaction with the team, it leads to trust uh, that that mm-hmm. you're not just going to come in and the team is not here for your absolute disposal where you're trading out members at will or ad hoc. <clears throat> Excuse me, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about how do you partner with the team for the sake of the next run, knowing that some may need to play lead and some may need to, to essentially have some other functions for the sake of this particular piece. Right. Well, I'm assuming too as that's happening when you're saying here's where we're going, you also have to make decisions or maybe ask the team, what can't we do in order so that we can do that, right? I right. Mean, is that part of it? All a matter of choices. Yeah. And so the the prioritization essentially says, what do we do prior? What do we do latter? So yeah. that prioritization is we can't do everything. Mm-hmm. We may believe that we can do anything, but we can't do everything. So mm-hmm. how do we structure it? putting the right people in the right place for the next run. Mm-hmm. And, and I would just ask the leaders listening to this, What's coming up the next three, six, nine, twelve months? Right. And what are the skill sets? And and where you've gone through some of this in the past, which players didn't necessarily perform? And and you know the the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over again and expecting mm-hmm. different results. Mm-hmm. If you want different, you're going to need to do different. And my question is, what are you chasing? Mm-hmm. What's the existing skill set? And what's the plan? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's really good. Now, another concept you talk about in the, in the book, and again, I, I continue to say this, but I love, it really is a good allegory, you know, and I'm thinking about weather conditions and sure. the trail and the terrain and all of that, you know, thinking on that level, building a team to do it. And then you talk a little bit, there's a thin ice piece in, in the story and, sure. and, and talking about uh, knowing where the thin ice is, has someone gone over the thin ice before? How did they do that? Looking at other leaders, kind of, you know, fill the fill in the blanks there. What's that really mean? Every organization has an ethos. Every every organization has a well, the the, the better term is called politicos. Mm. There's a okay. political structure, and that's not a bad thing. Politicos just means the mechanisms of influence within the collective. Okay. okay. All, right. All right. So what does that mean? People have made career moves and people have done some particular things that have gotten them on thin ice in this organization. Where's the thin ice? Where's the struggle? Where have we overreached at times without, is the tendency of our organization to 
over plan under act or is it to over act under plan mm. and so where's the thin ice for me personally it comes into knowing your strengths and weaknesses it comes into getting out of your comfort zone but not out of your gifted zone mm. and then for an organization we've got to look at are there moves as a leader that i need to make sure i'm more savvy about and so Every person can lead. I, I, let me say. Let me say it this way. I've, I've been around some people. I'm. I'm not quite sure uh, about that. Um, duly noted sarcasm here. But every person you can lead. But the question is, how do you lead here? In other words, what is the topography of this organization, and what influences here, and what will put you on thin ice pretty quick? Yeah. So when we look at thin ice, is that not watching the budget? Is it overspending? Is it overestimating the time frame? Is it not reporting upline fast enough? Is it what are the thin ices that in running this particular piece, where are our likely um, fissures, if you will, are likely small cracks that can turn into chasms. Yeah. So I'm just asking, watch for that thin ice, be aware of the social surroundings, if you will, I just put it in the book as we're running a trail, and I yeah. see Joe kind of hit some thin ice, and his sled kind of dips down a little bit, and uh, and I see the water come up and the ice go down, and I'm having one of those oh crud moments. Right. I'm about to cross on this thin ice. Well, even if you hit that thin ice, know how leaders and people have recovered even from that thin ice. Right. I'm not sure that you really know a leader until the leader fails and has to recover. Mm -hmm. And so the recovery from a thin ice point in your career is really a telltale sign about your um, emotional steel, about your, um, your ability to, um, to, to, to go through some of those trying moments. Watch for that thin ice. Be strategic about that thin ice. Don't just run ripshot over that and go, well, hey, you know what? So what? It's thin ice. Well, right. that's a good way to, to get a lot of people hurt. You're not, you don't make foolish decisions. Uh, you you critique the strategy. You critique the um, uh, the the awareness of the trouble zones or the yeah. uh, you know wh where are we vulnerable, and then you run according to that um, intelligently, not blindly. Yeah. Well, and it's it's um, just thinking through on thin ice. Two part of it. It's a very basic thing of hey, has anyone done something like this before? Right. And. What can I learn from that? I mean, it's oh, that man. basic. <laughs> I, I'm I'm uh, I'm sitting here I'm I'm sitting here raising my hands like the people on the podcast can see. Um, the uh, <laughs> that's a different that's a We're video a church here podcast. <laughs> um, but you know, I, one of my pieces is learn the lessons of the previous runs. And mm -hmm. so, if you're not learning the lessons, and and I've been in all of these projects where we go through the end of a project and we have this meeting and we come out with these lessons learned. And there's a three-inch binder of lessons learned that come out. But when we start the next project, nobody opens the binder. Mm -hmm. And so those that fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Yeah. So you know, look for the thin ice, document the thin ice, learn the lessons, forget the emotions, and let's put that into play uh, about the next, uh, the next run. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's great. You know, one of the, as we talk about teams and... Um, you have a section in there about personalities and temperament. Uh, and there were some quotes, but how does personality and temperament really play into building the team? Synergy, mm -hmm. cohesion. Uh, there's, there's so many aspects that we, without putting everybody in a box, right? Mm -hmm. I don't like 
utilizing or what I call weaponizing personality mm -hmm. against people. Mm -hmm. Just because I'm an analytic, don't, don't assume that I'm going to overanalyze. Mm -hmm. um, just because I'm an extrovert, don't assume that I'm not a thinker. So within that driving, I can have that driver personality and I can, but if you put an entire team of drivers together, that can be very difficult. Yeah. Um, if you put an entire team of reflectives together, that can be, so you've got to know the team that you have and you've got to be able to put the right personalities in the mix. So you can get people again out of their comfort zone, but if you really spend a tremendous amount of time outside of your um, your your um, your gifted zone or your your deep aspects of your personality, you can run into some some problems. So when you're putting the team together, in the chapter I put the, that one of the mushers had difficulty because they put two people on a project and and uh, and essentially the, they spent more time fighting each other right. than they did pulling forward. Yeah. So we put that into one of the mushers as in they were having trouble with the team. Some members on the team were squabbling, and so the effectiveness of that musher's run to the next checkpoint was hindered mm -hmm. because the personalities were clashing within the team. And so when you look at the function slash dysfunction of a team, one of the things that we look at is, is some of that personality based? And everybody is going to go through life, right? We're all living life at the same time. Everybody's going to go through points in life where they have some personal difficulties that bleed back into the office. Mm -hmm. But for the long haul, are we putting the right people with the right mindset right now in play mm -hmm. for this next run. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we need to make sure that the two people, the three people, the five people that are working deeply collectively on this particular piece, they get along and there's a great deal of synergy in the team mm -hmm. before we really um, strategize and make sure that they can hit that next level. Now, we could go into a whole aspect of all the 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 team dynamics of forming, storming, norming, performing. Mm -hmm. We could go into that whole psychological aspect. But the fact is, there's going to be a little bit of time where we, where we have some of those hiccups in mm -hmm. formulation of the team. Mm -hmm. But if the hiccup phase is starting to extend, right. we need to look at the mix and the makeup for strategy, uh, for cohesion, for synergy because the collective should be greater than the sum of the individual parts. And yeah, that last line is, I mean, that's the goal, right? As you're building a team, you're hoping that the goal is to create something here. A team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Which is more than all of us individually. Exactly. You know, and, and we have to, and so it makes sense to put this much thought, this much planning, this much, much preparation in putting something like that together because that's not easy. No, it's the it's the human capital strategic part of the people that are, that are partnering with you and teaming with you. Yeah. And I think that uh, you know it's just part of a part of what we do. We we love what we do, and the question is, do we love who we're doing it with, mm -hmm. and do they love each other? And so you know, love chase the dream, but man, the daily life mm -hmm. of the interactions of that team should add value to the collective, not tear at the fibers of it. Yeah. One of the things toward the end of the chapter that you mentioned is just the role of mentors and protégés. And I mean, so many things have been written and said and, and shown about the importance of this, but I thought you had some really good insights specifically on one of the importance and maybe share not only the concepts from the book, but you know, even personally, just from a either mentoring standpoint or protégé standpoint, why is that so important? Why should we seek it out? Or in both sides of it, why should we seek out being a mentor? Why should we seek out, obviously, being the protege? 
from an organizational standpoint, if your organization doesn't have mentors and doesn't have succession planning of growing next level leaders, you are already dead. You just don't know it. Mm -hmm. um, my term is dead man walking. Mm -hmm. You're an organizational. Uh, you're an organizational decay. Yeah. And so um, any organization has to have a model that is repeatable, sustainable, and scalable. How are you going to do that if you're not developing next-level leaders all the time? So if your leadership development plan doesn't have next-level leader mentorship, protege built into it, mm -hmm. uh, then by all means, hey, give us a call. We'll help with that. that that's such a significant piece. Fr from past that, in my life, when I had somebody say, I see potential in you and I want to pour some of the best that's in me in you, mm -hmm. the honor and the privilege and the responsibility and the weightiness and all of that that was said about me um, then brought me to a new level. And I was not just um, financially, fiscally, vocationally tied to an organization. I was now emotionally tied to an organization because if somebody cared about me and poured into my life and said, I want to see you better. And I'm telling you, I would have moved heaven and earth for that particular mentor. And if they still called today, I'd probably be pausing the podcast and saying, hey, how can I help you? Yeah. These are people that are significant in that in, in my life. And from a protege, you want to seek out others in the organization and others that have had a little bit of time in front of you just because you need growth yeah. and you need that wisdom and that tenure to help you see some things. We all have blind spots. And some of these mentors can help you with those blind spots and help you career track, navigate some of the thin ice that we've talked about and get to that next level. And I'm always believing in chasing that next level. You know, there's a time of strategic rest, but for the most part, growth to growth to growth to growth. Right. Yeah. We're made for progress, right? Yes. I mean, it's like uh, there's not necessarily a finish line. Uh, you know, that's we're always progressing. Right? Thousand checkpoints. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's that's great. And you know, these things I, I have to assume everyone listening right now when they hear about m mentoring and development, uh, they are thinking in terms of yeah, I want that. That should happen. And yet, I think it's one of those things that we kind of think will just happen on its own. And of course, it does not at all. You have to be very deliberate about making that part of your culture. Absolutely. Yeah. I was actually I was scrolling through Facebook yesterday, and I'm sure you've seen, I'll butcher the quote, but the concept was leadership development always falls to the bottom of the stack unless a leader keeps it on top. Wow. Know? Yeah. And it's so true. Yeah, the intentionality. Yeah. And again, you're focused on capacity, sustainability, all those things that say, if we don't focus on all of that, what we're doing is succeeding today and losing tomorrow. Mm. And so in order to make it sustainable, in order to make it repeatable so scale or scalable, all of that, it has to come first. Yeah. Well, that is our time for today. And I think that's, uh, as you're listening to this, think about some of the key takeaways here. As you're looking at your team, actually, let's, let's go back a step. As you're looking at where you're going. Sure. And then you're looking at your team. Uh, you know, and not that we're not talking about people here. We're talking about what you're trying to accomplish, like you said, and who's the right roles. Are there skills we need to add? Really think through this. Listen to this episode again if you need to, because I think this is really what separates maybe the good from the great in a lot of ways is how they prepare and build their teams uh, in a way that aligns with the clarity of where they're going. 
Yeah, absolutely. And one of the final difficult questions I would I would just ask is, is there somebody you're keeping on the team that's hindering the team? Mm. And maybe one of the things that we do is for the sake of the whole and the sake of the collective, we try to find a different spot for that particular team member that you've been limping along. You limped them along through the last year, limped them along through the last five projects. Mm. Um, what do we need to do to solve that for the sake of the synergy and effectiveness of the collective? That's a great final takeaway. Thank you all so much for joining us. As always, you can go to influenceleadership.com. Uh, there's videos of Chris there. He, he mentioned today making some uh, gestures. So if you want to see some of those gestures, uh, <laughs> go ahead and, and check out those videos. Lots of great resources, articles. Obviously, you can connect with us on uh, social media from there. Contact us. And, of course, hire us. If, if, you're, if this is something you know your organization needs, this is... Chris works with uh, so many different companies uh, all the time. And so if that's something you're interested in, contact us through the website. We'd be glad to follow up with you there. Any final words, Chris? Chase the dream, but chase it strategically. And as, uh, again, my mentor, John Maxwell, has said often, teamwork makes the dream work. Mm -hmm. And so we've got a dream, but we've got to strategically add the right people to the mix to be able to achieve that dream. All right. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, and Brett. we will see you on the next episode of the Influence Leadership Podcast. Yeah.